Hey, my name is Jared Humphreys. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for being with us today. Pastor James and his family are out on vacation. No, wait a minute. I said that wrong. They're on a family trip. If you have kids, you know the difference, but uh, they're out of town and we can definitely be praying for them and, and that they can just rest and, and recharge and come back raring to go. Amen. I'll be back in a few days, but I just want to say, I, I want to start off by saying how thankful I am for this church for our campus, but our, our church as a whole. See, one of the things that, that Pastor Rick and Michelle, when they came to Arkansas, one of the things that they decided to be a core value of our church is exactly what we just saw in the video. This life-giving relationship and surrounding yourself with people that give a rip about you. Can you imagine where the Olives would be if they didn't have people in their life that could be there in that moment? It's easy to get stuck when tragedy hits. Man, it's easy enough to get stuck just when life happens. Am I right about that? But man, to have the opportunity to be in a church where that is one of our strengths. That's one of the things that we aim at every time that we meet, every time we talk to somebody. And, and let me just say this. If you're not in one of those kind of groups, please, please, please let me know. We'd love to get you in that type of community because it's just amazing to have that in your life. So we're continuing our series on parables this week. We're going to talk about the unforgiving servant. Now, what is a parable? If, you, if you've not thought about this a whole lot, the Greek word parable just means that you're going to compare. Simple as that. You're going to set two things beside each other, and you're going to compare one to the other. And so Jesus, like a third of his teachings in the Bible, were in the parable format. So he would tell stories using everyday items, everyday situations, things that people would understand, and he would use those common things to illustrate spiritual truths. It's like he was like the director and screenwriter and of this incredible set of stories. Okay? People do this now. There, there are actually conferences you can go to to learn the art of storytelling and how to put words together. I need to go there. It just sounds like fun, right? But there's people that do this for a living, there's people that, that write scripts, and there's people that direct actors, and, and it's part of movies that, that we go and see all the time. Let me, let me just take a poll. Is there anybody? So like every year there's a, a movie that wins the, the Oscar for the best picture of the year, okay? Does anybody remember the movie from 1989? That's 30 years ago that won best picture. I'm looking. No. Okay? 30 years ago, 1989, it was Rain Man. Directed by Barry Levinson. Pretty cool director. He's got a lot of awards. He's one of those guys that's really good at what he does. But my point is, in 30 years, we've completely forgot that story. We've completely forgotten the point of that movie. We, rem we might remember that Tom Cruise was in it, but that's about it. In 30 years, it's out of our conscience. We just don't even remember it. But we're looking at stories this summer that Jesus told 2,000 years ago. And if you want to talk about a master storyteller... And the best director that's ever lived, man, Jesus was that. The stories that he told then to a completely different culture, to a completely different time of life, they were applicable then, but they're still applicable now. He's just that good at what he does. So we're looking at, at the unforgiving servant. We'll get to the scriptures in a minute, but let, let me just say this. Forgiveness, it's this huge topic that uh, we're going to try to just scratch the surface of today, but... Can we all just agree that we need forgiveness in every relationship in our life? Right? The reason is, we're all broken people. Every one of us 
has the capability on a moment's notice to be a knucklehead and to react wrongly. I love that word <laughs> because it's, it's so fitting. When we do dumb things, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Every one of us have that potential in our lives. But here, I want you to do me a favor, though. As we talk about this, somebody is going to pop into your head that you're like, man, they need to be here today. I need to send them the podcast link because they need to hear this because they need forgiveness. Please don't do that. <laughs> okay? Because the truth is, I need this. The truth is, you need this. So let's all just agree we're going to focus on ourselves today. And, and we're going to talk about what can I do for forgiveness? What, what can I, how can I apply this in my life? There was a Sunday school teacher that, that had just finished a, a discussion on a lesson on forgiveness. This is back in the day when churches had Sunday school, okay? My, my parents' church, my grandparents' church. But uh, Sister Susie had just finished the talk on forgiveness. And so she wanted to make sure that the kids had gotten the point. And so she asked the question, what do you have to do in order to obtain forgiveness? And little Johnny back in the back, he, he is notorious for piping up at the wrong time. But he piped up and said, hey, you just have to sin before you can obtain forgiveness. Yeah, maybe, yes, not the point. Somebody else said it like this, I, I, I wanted a bike, and so I asked God for a bike, but I know he doesn't necessarily work that way, so I went and stole one, figuring I could go ask for forgiveness later. Not the point. But the truth is, it's really easy to get offended. It's really easy for other people and other situations to affect our lives and for us to carry around the results of that. There's plenty of opportunities every day if we choose to let other people and those situations have that much power in our life. There's plenty of opportunities to carry offense. It's important to recognize that each one of us were broken people. Romans says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, every one of us have messed up. Okay, We live in a world full of broken people, and we can't be surprised when they act that way. I think a lot of times we can put, we can put expectations on somebody, and we can expect that somebody that doesn't know Christ to treat us the way that, that we would want to be treated, that we know Christ. And, and so when they treat us like a broken person, we get upset. Or somebody that's a, a new baby in Christ, we, we expect them to act like a, a grizzled veteran, somebody that's lived for Christ for 50 years. And when they don't, it's easy to get offended. Or even somebody that's been around this all of their life. We're all human. We all make mistakes. And so it doesn't matter where you are in this journey, we have the capability of hurting people. You've heard Pastor Rick and Pastor James say this, hurt people hurt people. And, and when we carry hurt, it's real easy to hurt somebody else. I don't want to take that a step further and say that healed people heal people. People that have experienced God's healing do whatever they can to bring that to somebody else. And forgiven people, man, they know how to forgive people. So just get ready. We're going to talk about forgiveness, and it's this big, big, big topic. In fact, I want to pray for us before we go any further. God, I thank you this morning for another opportunity to study your word. I thank you for the promises that we're going to talk about today. And God, I'm, I'm praying that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive this word and not just hear it, but to go and do it and put it into action. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're looking at Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 35. This is gonna take a minute. <laughs> Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, parables always start like this. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master calls the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you, had, you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Man, what a story. Okay, let's break this down a minute. You ever had one of those moments where you knew that you needed to extend forgiveness to somebody because if you didn't, you're going to wind up cutting them and you don't want to go to jail again. One of those moments, like you're in the parking lot at your favorite restaurant and you've got your blinker on waiting on this person to pull out and as soon as they do, somebody else whips in. Like I was here. I even used my blinker and nobody does that anymore. And you just want to look at them and you just know. Don't you wish somebody would, would invent like an easy button for forgiveness? Like you could just pull your keychain out and go, I forgive you. Okay. You go on in the restaurant and the, the server messes up your order. Forgive you. Somebody puts you in a group text with 15 people you don't know. <laughs> and they're talking about this new multi-level business. Forgive you. Stop. <laughs> Those sports parents. We've all been there. We've seen it. You're at a kid's sporting event, and they pipe up fussing at your kid, fussing at you about your kid. Forgive you. Forgive all of y'all. Stop. But on a serious note, man, we need forgiveness. Why? Because we're human. And there is no easy button. But we've got to have it. Because without forgiveness, our relationships will fail. It's just going to happen. Scholars will tell you that this, this parable is what they call an exaggerated parable. Now, to be clear, it's not exaggerating the truth. It's not stretching the truth. It's not a lie. But it's using some exaggerated examples, some big, huge examples to try to illustrate just how big this truth really is. Okay? So in this parable, the king is a picture of God, and the servants are pictures of us. All right? We're clear on that. Now, this king decides he wants to settle all of his debts. That sounds like a great day where I don't owe anybody anything and nobody owes me anything. Anybody ready for a day like that? Yes, we have financial peace classes starting in the fall. Love to see you at Life Group Launch. Free, shameless plug. But it says that this servant owes the master 10,000 bags of gold. I'm a math nerd. I get it. I'm okay with that. 
I look at that and go, what does that even mean? I don't have no, how big are the bags? How many pieces are in there? So the scholars will tell you, in their day, this was something like 10 to $15 million. And there's a formula. There's a denarii, which was a day's wage, and how many was in the bag, and how many bags. And so, trust me, I did all of that. But let's look at it in terms of today, in our culture. 10 to $15 million sounds like a lot of money, and it is. Anybody got that much spare laying around? No? Okay. So look at it in terms of today's wages. The average wage in the U.S. right now is somewhere, somewhere around $50 a day. You do the math, and in today's numbers, this guy owes the, the king like $3 billion. That's billion with a B. Like I get lost writing that many zeros. I have no idea. I cannot relate to that amount of money. First of all, how rich is this king? that he can give away $3 billion and not even break a sweat on it. I want to be that guy. <laughs> and what did this servant do to spend $3 billion? Like, like, how do you do that? I have no clue. I cannot wrap my head around that kind of money. And the point is, the debt is just something we can't even fathom. We just, it's so far beyond. But this is what Jesus does for us. You take the math a step further and understand $50 a day into $3 billion. If I took all $50 and gave it to the king every day, like I'm not saving anything for me to eat on, I'm not feeding my family, we're not buying clothes, we don't have a house, this is everything I earn going towards this debt. You're talking about 165,000 years that it would take to pay this debt off. Physically impossible. So Jesus is using huge, huge numbers to illustrate the debt that our sin has placed on us. We can never repay it. We can't be good enough. We can't do good enough. You're not man enough. You're not woman enough. It's never going to happen on your own to pay back the debt that God, has, that God has paid for us. Let me ask this question. The, the average American, the biggest debt we have is our mortgage. What would you do if your mortgage company called you tomorrow and said, oh, by the way, your mortgage is paid off? Like the, the deed is in the mail, you're going to get it. Yeah, we're, you're going to see some grown men up here doing the Fortnite challenge. I can't do it because my, I still have a mortgage, so I can't dance. You, know? you might see somebody flossing, you never know. Point is, you're going to see some reaction because it's a huge debt, right? But this is where the story gets crazy. Like this cat's just been forgiven $3 billion. And the very next thing we read about him is that he's walked out and he goes and finds a guy that in their money that day was owed him like 20 bucks. Translated to today, it's like $5,000. So pretty decent amount, but still nothing in comparison to $3 billion. Okay, and I think what's, what's interesting about this part of the story is that Jesus used the words, he went out. He walked away from this encounter with the king. He had a face-to-face -face with the king, and everything's gone, but he goes out. He turns his back, and man, how many times in our lives if we're not careful and, and, and we don't spend the right amount of time with God, not that, not that doing that earns forgiveness, please track with me, 
But if we don't keep our attention where it needs to be, we can turn around and become just like this unforgiving servant. And, and, we, and we can get brutal quick. A lot of us, I think we, we look at this story and, and we go, man, that dude's an idiot. You just walked away from everything. <laughs> Bible says he went and choked this guy. Like in, in Roman law, it was still, it was legal to do this. If somebody owed you money, you could go choke them. I'm ready to bring that back. You guys, <laughs> it would be fun for a second. Of course, it's not going to solve anything, but we can look at this guy and go, man, you're an idiot. You've just messed up. I think the bigger point is the instant this guy, he has the encounter and he turns around and walks away and he forgets. He just forgot what God had done for him, what the king had done for him, and we can forget how much we've been forgiven if we're not careful. Truth is God has forgiven us of our sins, every one of them. Past, present, future, the forgiveness is there. It's up to us to ask, but the forgiveness is there. He's done his part. And if we're not careful, unforgiveness will show up in our lives. And and we can turn into this guy so fast. But I think there's some things that happen that can be warning signs, okay? First thing that happens when, when we, that will be a warning sign for us about having unforgiveness in our life is just simply distance. Distance. Sometimes this is unintentional. Fact is, we're busy. And pardon me for cussing in church, but we're busy. I hate that word. I'm doing my best to get it out of my life, and you guys can hold me accountable to that. Okay, but it becomes an excuse, and that's why I want to get rid of it. Well, I'm just, eh. no. But, but the truth is, our schedules get full. Our brains get full of all kinds of knowledge that's really just useless. Our attention gets full of everything besides the things that it needs to be. And we can just, we can get distracted. Sometimes it happens intentionally. Sometimes somebody will make you mad and, and then they'll send a text to apologize and you just ignore it. Leave them on red. Or they'll try to call you and you'll like shady button hang up on them. Anybody ever done that? Not, I'm not going to look. <laughs> or they can actually even come up and, and try to start a conversation to try to repair the relationship and we'll just turn around and walk off. Distance. Like I, I, I don't want you. You've hurt me. I don't want you in my life. And if you're not careful at that point, then distance can turn into building walls. And, and we want to put a wall around our heart because it hurts when people act a fool. It hurts when somebody says mean things. And so we think, man, the best thing I can do is just put a wall around my heart and not let anybody in. Here's why that's bad. Yeah, you might be successful at walling off the people that you don't want in your life, but you're also going to wall off the people that need to be in your life. And you're also going to wall off the God that can fix anything. We can get so protective of our heart that we wind up walling off God. We've we've just forgotten. (laughs) Then we build those walls and we think, man, we're safe. I'm my own fortress. It's good. And then somebody gets inside. And it's the Battle of the Alamo all over again. And things just get blown out of proportion. And it escalates and it's, you wind up yelling and you wind up saying things that you would never say. You wind up 
hearing what you say, and when you hear what you say, you start to believe it. And it just gets out of control. So <laughs> I've got three boys. The oldest two are like two years apart. And when they were young, <laughs> can I just tell you that, that fights escalated over fun stuff? <laughs> it just did. Like who has the first controller on the PlayStation? Because nobody wanted the second one because you're not in control of anything. Right? Or, okay, let me ask this. How many of you parents have spent more than about $20 on Nerf guns because of the, and you had to buy two of everything when you do? Or multiples, depending on how many kids you have. Okay? Knock down, drag out fights over a Nerf gun. Like we had to clear the living room furniture one day and let them just go at it. No broken bones, no blood, no police. We're good. Everything's fine. But it happens. And how often do we do that? You ever gotten to the end of an argument and go, now wait, that's what we started off talking about? Like, which way does the toilet paper go? We're fighting over that? Really? It happens. But then what happens next? If you allow escalation to go far enough, you'll start saying things about the people that you love that are wrong and you'll start listening to it and it'll take hold and then the enemy pounces and he will convince you. He will feed your ear full of false belief, of lies and you'll start to believe things like, you know what, you never really did even love your spouse in the beginning so why don't you just throw them away and go get another one? They never really were your friend ever they were just faking it, so throw them away and go find somebody else. Or it might even be, you know what? You messed up big time this time, and God's forgiveness is big, but it's not that big. And he's just never going to take you back. The devil will feed your face full of that. And if we're not careful to keep these things out of our life, that's where we wind up. It reminds me of trying to keep weeds out of the, the flower bed in front of the house. Dear God, I hate weeds. Why? Because they never go away. You go pick all of them, and then a few days later, they're back. Look at this verse in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, and every form of malice. Get rid of it. The Bible does not say that God will get rid of it. It does not say that the preacher will get rid of it for you. This is something we have to do on our own. This is something we're commanded to do, to get these weeds out of our life. And guess what? They're going to keep coming back. Why? Because we're human. I am a broken human. I constantly have to fight these things out of my life. Because it becomes... These show up when I have seasons of unforgiveness in my life. Truth is, we don't deserve God's forgiveness. You, you've heard the, the comparison of grace and mercy where grace says you're, you're going to get something you don't deserve and mercy says you're not going to get what you do deserve. Let's apply that to this parable. Grace says the guy got $3 billion. He didn't deserve that. He had borrowed it, was supposed to pay it back, couldn't. Grace says, okay, we're going to wipe that away. Mercy says... You deserve to go to prison. You deserve for your family to have to pay for what you did. 
But mercy says, no, we're not going to do that. Y'all, the grace and mercy of God, when we understand it and fully apply it in our lives, changes everything. We could never deserve it. We could never earn it. He just gives it to us free and clear. So how do we activate forgiveness in our life? It's one thing to understand what this is all about. It's a whole other step to put it into action. The Bible tells us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. So how do we put this into action? First step, receive God's forgiveness. You've got to understand and put it into your own life. You have to understand the mountain of debt that you carried in terms of sin. Maybe you still carry them. Sin separates us from God. And it's something that we can never fix on our own. But when we receive God's forgiveness, man, I think a lot, I think a lot of us may have a hard time forgiving other people. I know I go there sometimes. And it's because we never have truly grasped the forgiveness of God. And when we do, it makes it easy to forgive somebody else. How do we receive God's forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. All we have to do is exactly what the servant did. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I messed up. I'm sorry. Confess. It's called repentance. And it's just that simple. But then what does God do with the sins? I love this verse in Psalm 103, verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Pretty cool word picture right here. I can leave here and go to the North Pole. I'm traveling north the entire time. When I get to the North Pole, I take another step in the same direction, and now I'm going south. There's a point where north and south meet. But if I leave here going east and continue going east, eventually I'm going to wind up right back here, but I'm still going east. I can go around the world for the rest of my life going east, and I'll never be going west. And I can do the same thing going west. I would never be going. There's not a point where east and west meet. It's infinity that way and infinity that way. And God, the Bible says he's removed our sins from us that far to where he no longer puts that on our record. Sometimes we go get it and pull it back, but God never does. Let me be bold right here. If you spend your life thinking I've got to earn God's forgiveness, like I've got to do certain things or I've got to be a certain way or I've got to please somebody in order to earn God's forgiveness, first of all, you're going to fail because nobody can do that. The debt is too big to physically pay on our own. But second of all, you're going to take that same mindset and apply it to everybody that comes into your life. Like they're going to have to earn your forgiveness. And they're going to have to do or say or be a certain way. And they're going to have to please you in order for you to forgive them. And guess what? Those relationships are just not going to work. Those people will not be in your life very long. Because here's the principle. Forgiveness can never be earned, ever. It must always be given. Which brings me to point two. You have to give what you've received. You have to give. 
Would anybody like for me to give you a sack full of $100 bills right now? Okay, I'll even let you bring the sack. But I can't do that. Why? Because I've never been given that. I have asked every person that I've thought of in my life if they would do that for me, and nobody has yet. Okay? I can't give you something that I haven't received. But I tell you what I can give you. I can give you forgiveness. I can give you grace, and I can give you mercy. Why? Because I have received those in my life. Check this out. Super short verse, big principle, Matthew 10, 8. Freely you have received, freely give, without any strings attached, without any cost, without any demands, without any prerequisites. God doesn't place those on us. We can't place those on somebody else. Freely we give. We read Ephesians 4.31 a minute ago about getting rid of the weeds in our life. We'll look now at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. The world needs now is a little bit more of this verse. Okay? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Why? Because God in Christ has also forgiven you. And so when we understand that debt that he pulled off of our lives and allow that to take hold in our life, we then can forgive somebody else for something that is insignificant in light of eternity. Okay? Truth is, Jesus' debt paid, Jesus' death on the cross paid our debt forever. There's no way we could ever pay him back. Forgiveness at its core is simply the pardoning of the debt. You are no longer responsible for this debt. But forgiveness is also a step saying relationship with you is more important to me than whatever this thing is that's between us. Okay? Bible says that our sins separate us from God. That's the thing between us and God that, that would never allow us to have relationship with him. And Jesus' death on the cross removed that. And it was a step of faith by Jesus to say, somebody is going to take advantage of this forgiveness and I can have relationship with them. Can I just say this? Forgiveness is always uncomfortable. Don't expect it to be easy. Look at what Jesus prayed in the garden. Father, if there's any way possible, let this pass. I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt. I'm going to die. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Jesus convinced himself to endure the cross for you. You have not messed up too bad. You have not gone too far. He did it for you. <laughs> Forgiveness says you're more important than the problem. Step three. How to activate God's forgiveness. Go first. Take the first step. Bust on out there and do it. Jesus convinced himself to, to go to the cross. He went and did that before we asked. Look at this verse in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We had no idea what his forgiveness was all about. You and I weren't even born. Our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents weren't even born. And his death on the cross was for you today. He didn't wait for us. 
He didn't wait for us to even know that he existed. He didn't wait for us to know that we'd messed up. He didn't wait for us to know that we needed to ask him for forgiveness. And he sure didn't wait for us to ask. He just went and did it. He stepped into trouble and made a way for peace. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers, somebody that will step into the conflict and do whatever it takes to bring peace. Jesus stepped into the conflict in our lives. And so now we have the opportunity to do that with other people. James 3, 17, 18, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers, not peace-hopers, not peace-waiters, not peace if somebody else makes it happen. Peacemakers, I'm going to go do this, who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness because they understand somebody that, that goes and pursues Peace through forgiveness understands it's a choice. Sometimes it's a difficult choice. But if I make that choice, my feelings will follow along. And this relationship can be repaired. I'll close with this story. There was a man who was a, a slave laborer during World War II in Germany. And he saw his mother and father killed on the streets. His brother and sister were sent to the gas chambers. Hell on earth. Okay? If there's ever been a guy that had a right to be angry, that had a right to be unforgiving, he would probably be in the, in the top five. But he chose not to. And so later in life, somebody came and asked him, how in the world can you be such a nice guy? How can you be so kind and loving to other people with the stuff that you've been through, the things that people did to your family? He said it like this. In the beginning, I was filled with hatred. And then I realized that in hating, I had become my own tormentor. If a person is blind for five years, they lose five years of seeing. But if a person hates for five years, they lose five years of loving. And if you can't forgive, you can't love. And without love, life has no meaning. God is love and without God, life has no meaning. And His forgiveness to you is incredible, huge. And our forgiveness to each other can be just as big in our relationships. Let me say this, a forgiveness problem, if you have a problem extending forgiveness to somebody, chances are you probably have a problem with the gospel too because you haven't wrapped your head yet around what exactly God did for you. We cannot have a relationship with God outside of his forgiveness. And, and our relationships with each other just not going to work if we can't have forgiveness in them as well. Let's bow our heads and pray. There are people in this room, convinced of it, that have never given their life to God. Maybe you're here and this is the first time you've heard something like this. 
Man, what a great day to be in church. I can promise you this, the day that you decide to give your life to Christ and confess to him that you've messed up and you experience his forgiveness, that's the best day of your life on this earth. That is the best step you can make towards God. And I promise you, he is waiting and watching, hoping that you will take advantage of this because he wants a relationship with you. So if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ, I'm just asking you to slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. Maybe it's been a while. Thank you in the back. Maybe it's been a while and, and you did spend some time with the king at one point in life, but you walked away and you forgot. Look, there's no shame today. Absolutely no shame. No condemnation. But there is a better way. If you've, if you've walked away from God and you want to come back, slip your hand up. Let me know who we're praying with. Yep. Thank you. They're in the back again. Church, let's pray with these people. God, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your presence. We confess, Lord, that that we've messed up. We haven't given our lives to you, or maybe we did and, and we just got busy doing other things. And we don't give you the, the place of lordship in our life that we need to. So we confess that and, and, and we claim that we're gonna walk away from that and we're gonna walk towards you. And we ask you for your forgiveness. We ask you, Lord, to cleanse our hearts. Fill us with your spirit so that we can walk with you every day. Jesus' name. There's a second group of people I want to pray with. These are the people that have carried offense and hurt for far too long. Somebody did something, somebody said something, something happened. And you've lived in the prison of that from then until now. The story's pretty clear that when we have unforgiveness, we get thrown in prison. And it becomes this thing that we can never escape. It becomes this thing that, that just controls and dominates our lives. Man, if that's you, if you're living in a place of, of being in prison because of unforgiveness, please slip your hand up. I want to pray with you as well. Because, man, this affects everything in life. There's hands all over the room. Pray this with me. Lord, instead of loving, I have resented certain people. And I have unforgiveness in my heart. Please forgive me for my sin of holding on to offense. I ask you, Lord, to give me the power to forgive those who have hurt me. I release them to you now. I ask you for supernatural strength to pray for them, to bless them, and want the best for them. Thank you for breaking these chains off my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you're thankful for the power of forgiveness, let's give the Lord a hand right now. It's incredible.